Thank you for joining us for Friends and Followers, a podcast brought to you by the Seton Shrine, where stories of those who were inspired by Mother Seton's life and mission are shared. It is our hope that you might find inspiration as well, and a deeper understanding about who Elizabeth Nancy is. And you can subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes. We hope that you enjoyed them. Thank you. Okay, so today we're actually going to talk about Mother Saint's relationship with St. Teresa of Avila. And why we chose her was because she was one of the saints that Mother Satan followed. Um, Mother Satan, we know, mentioned saints, copied the, the works of saints, but... It, and she was even given the, the set of Butler's Lives of saints. saints. And right. she probably opened that book up several times and referenced the saints that I mentioned in that right. book, which, by the way, is in the Seton <laughs> Family Treasures collection on yes, display. So if you haven't come by the Seton Shrine yet to see the Seton Family Treasures, I believe it's really only up through November. Um, so, yeah, t- um, you know, take a consideration to stop by the Seton Shrine and see what we're all about. If you've been listening to our podcast for months and months. Um, yeah, but anyway, sorry to interrupt, yeah, I, Lisa. <laughs> I mean, that's good. You've got me thinking. Because I think with her, just like with St. Joseph that we've talked about mm-hmm. in other podcasts, she didn't write a lot about the saint per se. You just see her use their words or use their um, principles, I guess, mm-hmm. that they developed. And so she was really good about putting into practice the things that she learned from saints. Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, Many of us don't do that. We read about saints and we think, oh, that quote was good. You know, there's quotes all over the place of saints, but we don't really think about, well, why did they say that? And, and what was the purpose in doing that? And I think she was much more of a thinker that way. Yeah. I mean, she's always been intellect, an intellect, but I agree. I think that even for confirmation students, they, it's kind of known as a practice. You just do it um, where you pick a saint that you're drawn to that right. you either had a fascinating story or there's a, a name shared in it. and But really, do they take it to the next level of really understanding? Well, you just said it. It's a practice. So expand on that because yeah. I'm, not, I'm not real familiar with yeah, this. Yeah, because I think, um, you know, we were just talking before we went, started recording about our program, Back from the Dead, mm-hmm. which is a program we do here at the Shrine. It's a tour where you go through our cemetery and encounter saints. And and everyone loves it. And they talk about um, what the saints had to say, but then they just go home and kind of forget it. I think very few people actually study saints and start putting into practice what they learned from them mm-hmm. um, because they were wise, but they also lived through a lot of different situations. Mm-hmm. So the end game is to figure out, well, how did they get through those horrific situations sometimes and still stay close to God or still turn to God. And I think that's what's great about Elizabeth is that you see that she picked a few saints that she felt close to or whatever, and she used them to help her get through her life Mm -hmm. to get closer to God. And, you know, we see that with St. Teresa of Avila. So when do you feel is the first indication that she started looking to St. Teresa of Avila for guidance and putting it into practice. So the first reference I see is right right after she comes back 
from Italy. Well, actually, according to Sister Judy Metz, when she was in Italy, she references the quote that Mother Seton wrote, uh, Rebecca, her sister-in-law, um, where she talks about that she finally felt like she had a mother, feeling that closeness to Mary and, and being at peace. I mean, her husband's just died. She's got a really pretty tragic situation awaiting her when she gets home, and yet she feels this peace, this comfort. But you're saying, though, that she writes to Rebecca talking about who she feels her mother, but where did Teresa of Avila fall into that piece? Well, Teresa of Avila, yeah, let's back up a little. If you don't know Teresa of Avila, so she was from the 1500s, and um, she wrote two really important pieces, Interior Castle and The Way to Perfection. So the Interior Castle is about your soul being made up of different rooms, and through each of those rooms, a spiritual journey, you become closer to God through learning how to do that. Um, and so um, she has some similarities with Elizabeth. I mean, they, Teresa of Avila became a doctor of the church by Pope Paul VI, which is who canonized Elizabeth. Um, and so she also, her first, one of the things that she did was reform the Carmelites. Well, she names the convent St. Joseph, which Elizabeth also had. Um, her you know, Roman religious order after right. St. Joseph. Right. So you see those similarities. But I think I think Elizabeth was drawn to the way of perfection and that interior castle being very um, interested, I guess, or that desire to be at peace mm -hmm. and be at peace with all of these things that have happened around her. You know, mm -hmm. growing up and having lost her mother, not having her father around, um, she had people dying in her life. Yeah. She was moving around a lot because she felt like she didn't really have a home. Mm -hmm. And so I think Teresa, she was attracted to what Teresa's writings because of that desire to have that peace within her. Yeah. I mean, we have seen it a couple of times especially with her own father, I always looked at it as an epiphany, uh, a clarity of understanding of her role and purpose and, you know, what is more of the end game. So even with her own father, you know, she's like, yes, I have an earthly father, but that's not my true father. My true father is God, right. you know, when she was a teenager on a sound. So I always interpret that as an epiphany, but it sounds to me that you're finding kind of indication that she may have switched that around to understanding more about peace in the sense of acceptance. Yeah, peace, acceptance, right. So peace is not um, happiness. It's not, doesn't mean that your problems have gone away. Right. What it means is that you're accepting that this is God's will for you mm -hmm. um, or God's will for your children or your husband, William dying, that this is, this is what was meant to happen. And I think sometimes when we accept a situation, we can move forward. Mm -hmm. And her desire all the time, we've talked about this, was to get herself and to everyone around her to eternity, right, to right. be able to get closer to God. Well, how do you get closer to God? You accept what he has prepared for you, what he wants for you. Accepting the will of God. Right. Yeah. And she, and we've talked about that in Anna Maria's podcast, that after Anna Maria died, she came out of that grief with that peace, choosing that peace over grief and that acceptance that this is what was the will for Anna Maria. 
Mm. And so we see that kind of early on when she's first contemplating becoming Catholic, she's starting to think, well, how do I get to that piece? And I think because we see her write that to several people and make references to that, that it was something that was on her mind. It was something she's probably excited about and that desire because who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to be at peace mm -hmm. with the world? Right, right. Um, well, can I, can I challenge you for a second? So what would you say the difference is between her husband's death and Anna Maria's death in the so, sense of that piece and how St. Teresa of Avila played a role in that? Yeah, so I think with her husband's death, I think um, she was really in that Lazaretto in those six weeks. She super focused on him. Mm -hmm. And she wanted, she knew he was dying. She accepted that. She had lived in a world where a lot of adults died. And not to say that that discounted her love for her husband, but I think she kind of already had started accepting his death. And I think in those years up to Anna Maria, she had already started thinking about these things, thinking about God's will, thinking about um, what it meant to be close to him, perfection. And as we get to Anna Maria, though, that is her child, her child that she was very close to. And she had that humanness of, I don't want this to be happening to me. But it's Anna Maria, who she taught so well, saying, isn't this what you want for me? You want eternity for me. And and she's she's kind of conflicted. She's going back and forth between that acceptance of God's will to, no, I don't want this to happen. I'm not happy about it. And it's a very difficult thing to do if you think about yeah. your children dying, yeah. like to be able to accept that that was God's will for whatever reason. But I think, yeah. But she does. And I think we kind of see her. So what's great about Elizabeth is that you can almost see her maturity, I think you've called it, where she starts, the more she learns, the more she puts into practice, the more she's getting to that perfection, mm -hmm. really, and getting that closeness to God. And again, I think it's, it's sort of like as simple as that word seems, it is so impactful that everyone around her isn't all with it. Right. Like even today, as you're reading about Elizabeth, you're in awe with her insight, the level of insight that she has and imparts and the way she thinks about things. I I would think that it's a rarity. Um, well, I mean, you just said it like she was such a thinker and, and, and she's thinking about these things. I mean, so in 1804, so a year, it's December of 1804, she's just she's back from Italy. And of course, she has her family and her husband's family trying to tell her, do not become Catholic. Like you, you tried to start a school, it failed. You have no home. This would be awful for you to do. You're gonna find your peace here. You're gonna find it staying in Episcopalian, stay, doing this. Yeah. And they're <laughs> looking at peace in the sense of happiness. We can help you. We can still shower with right. money. You don't right. have to worry about anything. You can be happy. Right. So and she writes to Antonio Felici, and she says, Beg my dear Savior to assure me that this is not temptation, and that he will not let my enemy persuade me there is peace where there is no peace. And so she's basically saying, this isn't going to give me that closeness to God. Mm -hmm. 
find a way for this not to happen because I'm not trusting this piece. That's not going to give it to me. It's it's the world we live in even today. You know, if you have these things or you have this this money or if you marry this person or if you live in this place, that'll bring you peace. Yeah, it's all that materialistic yeah. propaganda almost right. Right. of what it is. Right. Um, even with all of our holidays, we call it it's commercialized. Right. And it, beginning what the essence is really all about right. and she's thinking she's thinking and I think she continues to use that even years later with William when she when she relinquishes and lets him go into the Navy because she's like I'm choosing his peace for him I'm choosing what I think is going to make him happy instead of letting him follow the will of God yeah you know and and that's very difficult to do she's very aware of it you know, and so she's thinking about it, you know, and she says to Cecilia, so Cecilia Seaton was her sister-in-law that became Catholic. Mm -hmm. Here in Amherstburg. Well, she became Catholic in New York. Because remember, she was the one, oh. you're thinking of Harriet. So she right. was the one that um, basically was living with her brother. Brother, and, and then <laughs> kind of like around. was trying to run away. <laughs> right. Yeah, so right, right. She writes to her, and it's really funny, because she says, how silly to set your little brain to work and threaten it with a storm that may never come. Or if it reaches you, you may drive you still further to your interior castle and point out to you the path, path of your future, which is peace. So she's basically saying there, you can't worry about this storm that may come. If they throw you out, they throw you out. But again, on the other side, if you get thrown out and you come and live with me, you'll be able to be Catholic. You'll be able to have that interior peace real peace you'll be able to draw closer to god mm -hmm. so she's just trying to tell her don't worry this could end up being a good thing because anything that leads you closer to god mm -hmm. is going to give you that peace and thereby you know mm -hmm. your happiness is mm -hmm. going to be found there mm -hmm. you know so again she's like she's thinking but it's it's interesting because she hasn't really had to put that into practice yet it's really not until anna maria's death that she has to put her own words into practice. She's challenged at this point. Right. And this is, you know, it is, it's funny. I'm, I'm curious to see what you have to say, but if you don't mind me just imparting with this, like the Seton Family Treasures exhibit, as we, you know, we have objects that have been, you know, passed down in the family, preserved, but the representation of each of her children. And every time I'm in there and we're talking with donors and stuff, like more and more, I am, I'm so, I am really looking at Anna Maria as almost being that pivotal component that allowed Elizabeth Ann Seaton to reach that level of insight about how, how we are to be here on mm -hmm. earth and what we should all be striving for and doing the will of God. And she had that opportunity through Anna Maria. So like Anna Maria is responsible for it. And it just fascinates me to this day. Like I want to like really dive into that. So yeah, <laughs> which I'm wondering, like, are you getting ready to um, dive a little bit more into that? Well, um, maybe a little bit. I mean, I think you're right with Anna Maria's sickness and death right there at the end of 1811, 1812. That's where Elizabeth has to choose. Which road are you going to go down? And we see her kind of go up and down, right? And she writes her priest friend. It was like, basically says, I don't feel like being nice anymore or charitable. Well, she's going through grief. Right. She's, she's going, going through the through different grief. stages of grief. And so she could have continued down that road. And think about that. Like, 
she would have just stopped her order. And, and I mean, she could have done a lot of damage to people's lives and just by her example of staying bitter, of maybe stopping her order, like how that would have changed everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and we always kind of say, or I always kind of say like she got herself together, but it was a process. I mean, it took by estimates well over a year for her to get to that point where, you know, she chose peace over grief. She chose to accept the will that had been given for her, that had been given for Anna Maria. And that's the example that we, that we learn by. And you're right. That's like the pivotal point in her life. You know, it wasn't when her husband died or starting the order or anything like that. It was at that mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. I mean, so, there were steps or stepping right. stones toward that direction, but really where did that? Yeah. Preparing her for that moment because it's like, okay, you talked a lot to Cecilia and to other people about this is what they should do. What are you going to do? You know, and, and that's the lesson that we learned from her because she does decide to follow the will of God, which isn't easy. And through that, she used the St. Um, Teresa of Avila's words. And, and the thing with St. Teresa of Avila is we also see that she instilled that, I think, right away in her sisters as well, because when they're walking here from Baltimore to establish the order, Sister Cecilia O'Conway says we were reciting the works of St. Teresa of Avila. Mm. So wow. she wanted them to understand this is the way you get closer to God. This is We're going to have a lot of hardships coming our way. We're going to see a lot of hard things. You have to stay in that moment mm. of accepting and having that peace. And she yeah. was so good about not, I think, lecturing or bombarding yeah. people. She kind of just instilled little things, little nuggets for people to think about and to work on and to contemplate. And, and you see that through, but then she, she does get challenged. And that's the thing about saints is that they didn't have lives that were perfect and full of happiness. It yeah. was usually these pivotal moments of where they could have chosen to go a different way mm -hmm. you know and we do see that with her so and you see with rebecca so by 1815 when, when her youngest daughter is dying and now her son william is away she is sad and she even tells father brute i'm i'm sad but it's a sadness filled with grace because through this i'm learning how to be at peace mm -hmm. with what has been given to me yeah and, you know, and so she, you see that, like you say, maturity, that she starts to realize this is, this is the trials. These are the crosses that I have to go, and I'll hit each one as yeah. I go. You know? It doesn't matter whether it is a situation of joy or a situation of extreme sadness and grief or a situation of anger. All those situations, it's really, it's like, what is that? funneling down to is peace, the acceptance of the situation, regardless of what your emotions are, right. and not turning it back on God. Acceptance that God is still there as your foundation to your soul, which goes back into, right? Right. Um, right. The so, interior castle, because like you said, it's like all about the different rooms that you have to work, you're pretty much working your soul through. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, in my opinion. It's not um, how many times did you go to Mass this week or how much scripture did you read. It's not those outward things that are going to get you closer to God. It's what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. You know, are are you 
you know, do you have those resentful moments or bitter moments where you're you're upset or angry about a situation in life that you've been dealt, or are you dealing with it and figuring out how God wants to use that for the betterment of everyone else and get yeah. them and get them in yourself yeah. to have it. I think what's interesting, we've talked about this too. Um, she wasn't even sure the moment that she was dying, if she was going to make it to heaven, you know, she's still like, I still, I need to do his will into the, until my last breath, you know, and whatever that means. And, and I think it's just very interesting. I mean, that shows her, her strength and her so desire to have that closeness to God. And so I think that's where St. Teresa of Avila really worked in her life, gave her things to think about, things to work on, and, and helped her, you know, get to that, that point. Um, yeah, I mean, she, she copied the works of St. Teresa of Avila. She was another one that she wanted to make sure that the sisters and the students understood what she wrote. Um, you know, she said um, in her last writings, before she died, she said, I once read or heard that interior life meant the continuation of our Savior's life in us. That is a great object of all his mysteries was to merit for us the grace of this interior life and communicate it to us, it being the end of his mission to lead us into that sweet land of promise. So this is just a year before she passes away. She writes this. So she understands that the only way that I'm getting to eternity is to have that peace inside of me. It doesn't matter the good works I do on the outside. You know, it has to matter on the inside. So, and that's what I really like about how she, she, she followed Teresa Mavala. She wanted to have that peace for herself, but for everyone else. I mean, her really good friend, Julia Scott, when her daughter dies, what does she say to her? You know, peace is with me. It's where you're going to find the attention and affection of a friend. And that is worth something. And she's right. It is. It's worth a lot. Yeah. Honestly, Lisa, thank you for doing this because, (laughs) no, no, no. I mean, I just, with the way my life is and my bandwidth (laughs) of being able to read and dive into it, like, I'm always fascinated. It just never, you know, I'll get caught up in life and I don't find the time as I should have. And you do the research, and I'm just like, all the more like, just so drawn. And like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, how can I find time to to read about Saint Teresa of Avila and so forth? But really, what I wanted to say is, even at church, which I have a feeling is going to happen the next time I go there, <laughs> when you get to the point during the mass celebration, everybody turn around and say, "Peace be with you, peace be with you." It's not so much in the sense of "May joy be with you." have a great day is right. that's how I always seen it like it's like <laughs> we're friends peace be with you like we're good oh it's a, it's a wonderful day it's beautiful it, and it's like now I'm like maybe it's not supposed to be that maybe is you find that person is struggling and you say peace be with you and hopefully those words were strum of okay I'm in a bad situation but I need to find acceptance and this place community people, saints, yeah. helped us to navigate all that, the interior castle, I guess. Right, right. And uh, I mean, sorry, <laughs> thank you for letting me share that. But. 
Um, I mean, you're right, because those aren't really good words for us to say. And you're right, because I think people sometimes get so used to hearing that peace be with you that they almost dismiss it. Mm -hmm. um, but it is that whatever is going on, whatever struggles you're having, may you come to peace. And the only way we can truly do that is yeah. through the help of God. Because some of the things that people go through in life, some of the really hard moments, and we're all going to have them. We're all going to have those moments that seem like so devastating. You can only get through them if you have faith. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and if you don't have faith, what do we see? We see the people that get bitter, they get angry, they get resentful, they get mean because they don't know what to do with it. And, and Elizabeth herself did go through that. She didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. But she got. Yeah. And she really took into the practice, though, of everything that she'd been preparing for. Like you said, kind of now taking her own words and applying right. it to herself. And as I said, she didn't write very much about any saint, really, her opinion of them. But what she did was she picked those few saints and she copied their words. She made them part of her sister's lives. And, I mean, Father Brute said, I believe her to have been one of those truly chosen souls who, if placed in the circumstances similar to those of St. Teresa of Avila, would be equal, equally remarkable in the scale of sanctity. So he definitely saw that she was very similar to St. Teresa of Avila, that she offered that way of perfection, that way to get closer to God, and, and tried as best she could up until the last few moments of her life, which we have a pretty good detail of that last hour of her life, to try to make people see that. Yeah. You know, um, you, know you just got me thinking again, and we're running, <laughs> we are running out of time, so, but even in our exhibit, we have St. Joseph Pini, that was a gift to her, hanging out the original one. Mm -hmm. uh, Fastimely is out in the historic St. Joseph house, but this is the actual painting. And you often a comment that I've learned from you is that St. Joseph is also known as patron saint of a happy death. Right. But your brother-in-law has said, well, in a way, you kind of think of Elizabeth and Satan as a happy right. death. But kind of listen to this and what Pope had to say, I'm wondering if she's more of like the peace to a, a good death. Right. Well, yeah. And, and getting, getting you there and that acceptance and really to a, a better life. You know, but yeah, I mean, getting to those final moments where you're at peace, yeah. this is just the next step, you know, and, and, and I think she had it in her. I think Father Brute is right. I think she was very similar to Teresa of Avila. When you look at how the people that she comforted that were dying, mm -hmm. her daughters, her sister-in-laws, her husband, her father, her father But not even those that are dying, those that were struggling in their own lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when no, we also say this, the other the sisters. Um, so, just so people know, Bridget and I give tours together sometimes <laughs> for special exhibits, and so we kind of go back and forth. And I mean, one of the things that that you know we talk about is um, what did she say about her father? That there was never a patient that didn't become a friend, and that's what Mother Seaton was known for here as well. No matter how horrific the situation is, the people that were starving, the people that were really sick, the people that were dirty and barely clothed, she didn't step out, she stepped in, in. you know, and and she wanted to give them some peace. Yeah. Like, 
this is a horrific situation and I'm praying for you, but for whatever reason, this is God's will for you. And I feel like as soon as people have that acceptance, at least for myself, it's just, you feel better. You automatically yeah. feel better. It's, and it's hard. It's hard. Even in our everyday lives, it's hard. Yeah. You know, we go through our up and down and like gets in the way the distraction you know you're not always staying on the path of faith or even looking to faith for support and guidance but yeah you you almost we all can achieve that level of peace whether you're a strict practicing catholic or christian at some point whether it's a day hours or weeks or years it's the piece of acceptance. Right, the piece of acceptance. So, I mean, and the, the last thing that I would just like to say is I think that Elizabeth, we can learn from her, that she used saints the right way. Like she, yeah. she didn't just listen to those quotes or read their life story. She or was just fascinated by them. She right. thought out her purpose. She knew these were real people that had suffered those crosses that were all gonna suffer. Well, how did they get through it? And yeah. she learned from them how to get through it. And Elizabeth is exceptional to me because she experienced so much. Mm-hmm. And so really, if there's something, especially as a woman, that you need to get through, look to her because yeah. I can almost guarantee you she experienced it, you know, and, and do as she did, yeah. you know. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Lisa. You're welcome. Hi, we hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. Yeah. Look forward to our next one. I think we're going to do another state because yes. it is, you know, October coming into it uh, with Back from the Dead here at the Shin Shrine. Leading into All Saints and All Souls, Souls Day. Day. So, and, um, so, yeah, so we're going to do her daughter Rebecca and St. Ignatius. Yeah. And don't forget to go back to our other podcast, especially with Anna Maria. We mentioned her. We have done a podcast on her. So if you're kind of curious of where her death was all about, listen to that one. Okay? All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.